You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the spirits to join us here today. So I reach out in heart and mind to the ancestors and I call out to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful in my ancestral line and in yours. We call out to those who have gone before us, who lived well and died well and who have a legacy to offer us. So we call out to these ancestors and we ask them to help us, help us as the living to live a life that is legendary, to live a life that is worthy of those who are coming, and to live a life that draws on the great riches and resources and the wealth of the experience of all those who have gone before us. So we call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to circle around and hold space that we might do what we must do here today. And from the mind and heart, I reach down through the belly and through the legs and out into the earth to the very center of the exquisitely beautiful being of the earth. And in the very heart of this planet, we give thanks. I ask you to give thanks for your life, for this day, for beauty, and for the miracle of life that you share. We call on the energy of the earth and its wisdom of manifestation to help us to do something in this day that honors that miracle of life that each one of us carries. It is easy on the bad days to think, I didn't ask for that miracle. I don't want that responsibility. But the deeper truth of your soul is you did. And you asked with passion and longing for this life where you wouldn't have been given a body to have it. So this miracle is yours. You asked for it. And we call on the energy of the earth to help us to ground, to help us to feel that we belong, to help to help us to connect to a sense of home, that we will have a place to stand to bring that miracle of life into manifestation in this day. We give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that creates a reality here that is one of connection and interconnection and oneness with the divine. And we give thanks to our ancestors for their part in that dreaming. And we give thanks to those who are coming to this earth, for they are calling our gifts from us. So with our gratitude given to the earth, we draw the energy of the earth up even as we send our own energy down to be grounded in this day. We draw the earth's energy up from the belly to the heart to the mind and send it all the way up through all the layers of the sky, all the way to the very highest power of the sky. And by whatever name you call that power, call out to it. Touch in this way the very heart of the sky and draw down that essence energy of protection, of blessing, And of generosity. We call out the benevolence of the universe to be with us here today and to bring down to us all the wisdom of the cosmos. So, as we draw the energy of the sky into our bodies, the energy of the sky meets the energy of the earth, and these two great lovers are together again within your body, within my body, within the form of all living things. 
And it is this dance of life, this dance of the Tao that gives birth to the great diversity of life around us. So with these two great lovers within us, let us be infused with the big love, the big love of this profound legendary energy. And let it awaken the spirit of our heart, that unique place that can hold the fiery passions of the belly without destruction and draw in the crystal clear, cool energy of the mind of clarity, of focus, of creativity, and to bring these two energies together in such a way that neither one is destroyed but a third energy is born, and that is your knowing of why you are here. And in the heart, may you also find the courage to bring those gifts to the world. So we call out to these energies to be with us here today, the big energies, the earth, the sky, the heart, and the ancestors to stand around us. And with these energies present, may we, the living, do what we have come into our lives to do. May what needs to be said be said, and what needs to be heard be heard. May all things go forward today in these proceedings in a way that is good for all living things. So I give thanks to the spirit help that joins us here today. And I want to thank Kelly and Josh and Ian and Deborah and all of uh, you who have donated financially to the show in the past week. This helps us to keep the show on the air and to keep the archives of the show available for free to all those um, to go back and listen to shows that you know and love and for new people to find. So if this show is meaningful to you in any way, um, know that you can donate to the show to express that exchange of energy by clicking on the support button at whyshamanismnow.com and you are able to leave any amount large or small that you choose to and every single increment is um, greatly appreciated and it all does go directly to pay the fees that keep the show online and free and available on the air and this act this action of allowing yourself to be moved in the heart is the first act of shamanism to not go through the mind in the go through your life in the prison of your mind but to allow your heart to be moved by your life and from that movement of the heart allow yourself to be moved into action and this is the essence of shamanism and it is absolutely critical If we, humanity, are going to do what life is calling us to do at this time on this planet. So thank you all for your courageous, spontaneous, um, even the random acts of shamanism that you might do in this day. So we are live this week. You are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or to Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I will read your question on the air. Um, So today, our show is how to live a legendary life. And coincidentally, because of course it was a complete coincidence, today in my inbox when I awoke after a fairly sleepless morning, I had an email from the story people, and many of you may not know about the story people, but I personally like getting a little story from the story people every day. And today's story, this morning's story was legacy. And so I want to read legacy from the story people to begin here today. I promise you, not a moment will be lost as long as I have heart and voice to speak, and we will walk again together with a thousand others and a thousand more, and on and on, until there is no one among us 
who does not know the truth. There is no future without love. So I want to give thanks to the story people and the spirits of all of the artists that make up that group. So what is a legendary life? A legendary life is a life lived on a scale outside of the perceived limits of the particular time in which it is lived. A legendary life is not necessarily a famous life, nor is it always a profitable one. It could be both, but only as a symptom of that life, not as the point. A legendary life is lived by consorting with energies far larger than a human can conceive of, but consorting nonetheless, freely and fully, so that you come to know the limitlessness of your humanity and the boundaries of your unique life. A legendary life is a wild affair with the heart, ever-changing, driving, vulnerable, and intimate. A legendary life hurts sometimes, and is it, and it is ecstatic in other times. And sometimes a legendary life is profoundly ordinary. To live a life of legend, one must look back at oneself regularly through the eyes of the archetypes, through the eyes of the elements, and through the eyes of the Tao, to see oneself accurately and to know the next step clearly. To live a legendary life, one must be willing to need only that one next step. To live a legendary life, one must be willing to have enough focus, discipline, and gravity to have a plan while being willing to abandon that plan at any moment in the effort to reach the deeper truth as it is revealed. So this show is dedicated to listener Eduardo Munoz. Because Eduardo wrote to me in your last show, you said that we humans were born to be legendary because we were born from the legendary relationship between the earth and the sky. He says, you sounded so convinced and said it in such a way that I really believed you. And now I feel called to live legendarily. Where can I find more information about that? And I just adored receiving this email and I started to type away my little response and I didn't have one. I thought, how could this be? This is very curious to me. And it sent me on a path of remembering, how did I get myself here? How did I get myself to a place where I could say this, this thing that I said about the earth and the sky and the legendary lovers and being born of them to live a life of legend and say it with such conviction and knowing? That, Eduard, that it would ring Eduardo's truth cord in his own life. How could that be? How did I get there? How, how could I be here and not know where to send Eduardo, what to read, what website to go to, et cetera, et cetera? How did I get here? And more, more honestly, how did spirit get me here? Because I certainly would never have found my way myself. So life as we know it, This experience of form, which is our life as we know it, is born from the Tao and from the dance of true yin and true yang energies. And there's an entire many shelf loads of books 
written by scientists who are much smarter than I am, who can articulately tell you all of the ways and the reasons and the math about why this is true. For me, I just like the story, the story of the Tao and the dance of these true energies of the yin and the yang. And I love how this story is echoed um, again and again, large and small, in all the different facets of the, my life that I trip over and resonate in that tripping as truth. So these energies are often understood as being embodied in the earth and sky, respectively. And this relationship of earth and sky is born of the dreaming. It is found in the creation stories of shamanic peoples around the world. They tell some version of a story of the beginning when the great mystery void dreamt, and from that dream came a spark of fire and a crystal of ice. And I've even told my version of this story many times in many different shows. And it's certainly not only my story, but out of the void, out of that dream, the dream that no one knows why it happened, and we probably couldn't conceive of the why even if we were told it. And maybe we are being told it every single day and every moment. I don't know. But what came out of the dream first Grandfather fire and grandmother water, the spark of fire and the crystal of ice. And they danced and they dreamt and so on. Fire and water, yin and yang, sky and earth. The twinned energies of which everything in our universe is made. And all of these creation stories of all of these people, be they Taoistic or shamanistic, are legends. They are the stories of the legendary beings whose dreams, actions, and very bodies create our reality. Grandfather fire. Grandmother water. And reaching all the way back to the unnameable source of that void. The name for that energy, which we sometimes refer to as great mystery, This can't be translated usually into English, but it means something like the thing that knowledge can't eat. The Tao that can't be named is not the Tao. So this is this place from which the thing, the beings of legend come, the beings of the creation mythology of the first peoples, the yin and the yang. They come out of these legends. So the question then becomes, how do you survive and thrive living in the land of these giants, living in the world of these legendary beings? They're all still here. It's all still happening. So how do we as a measly little human in that great enormous web of life live and thrive in the land of giants? So first... To live a legendary life, you need a map and you need a compass. And so for this, I didn't actually know I needed a map and a compass. All I knew is I was 20-something, dumb as a stick, and needed to survive. And I was not surviving well. And so I started learning things so that I would survive. And these were basically useful things and techniques and skills and disciplines. And I learned some traditional teachings and some energy medicine basics. And what I understood 
that some people didn't seem to understand is that these things wouldn't work if I didn't do them. And by doing them, I meant somehow engaging with these practices beyond just understanding it in my head. Now, I didn't know anything about journeying, but even journeying can become an activity that escapes the body and escapes the physical world. But anyway, at that time, I didn't know anything about journeying. But what I did understand is all of these things that I was learning needed to be practices that I could do not only in my intention in my mind, but in my body and in my life. And so, as I said, at this time, I didn't presume remotely to be practicing shamanism. I was just simply lost and trying to find a map. And I realized first that I actually had a compass, but I didn't really know what it was relative to. And I had cultivated, oh, in other words, it was like knowing where north was all the time, but not knowing why north mattered. In other words, I had cultivated a a reasonable compass in my own heart, a pretty reasonable relationship with what I always referred to as a truth cord. So this line of truth that runs uh, from the highest power of the universe down through all the chakras of my body and down to the center of the earth. So it's not just gut instinct or just intuition or just inspiration, but where all these things line up on that cord of truth. And I, I had, had I, don't, I don't actually remember when I had that idea, but I had that idea and it seemed to work. And so I had cultivated this relationship with a truth cord. And then with that, one of these early practices that I learned was a true energy clearing practice, following not about trying to clear the response to things, but to use the response to things to track to the real energy inside of me and then to follow the real energy to the origin of that real energy and then to clear that real energy. So I had the truth cord and I had a clearing practice. And that actually was a pretty good compass um, as long as I remembered to use it. The issue, of course, was the compass was relative to what? That was the challenge. Okay. So... The thing that I noticed is that for many people, finding that compass becomes a self-satisfying situation that the ego is very happy with. And I was much too suspicious of my ego already to buy that. And the clearing practice that I was doing really helped me to see how I was choosing the suffering in my life. Now, granted, the choice had been made long ago, but nonetheless, it had been my choice. So I was pretty suspicious of the ego and its ongoing influence on my choices that inevitably brought me to repeated patterns of meaningless suffering. And so I didn't get all smug and self-satisfied about my compass because I really needed to understand that my compass needed to be relative to something larger than my ego, which was considerable. So... I needed to find something bigger than myself. And at that point in my life, um, I had seen an important pattern. I had realized that where science and religion and physical reality all say the same thing, there is a truth. And then you need to find it. 
So these were the places where these three things cross, science, religion, and physical reality, where they would all cross and say pretty much the same thing. And I'd go to that place and gnaw on it, kind of like a dog working on a bone. And I'd gnaw on it until I found the deeper truth that was there that these three things were resonating with. And when I would find that truth, um, it would be the thing that would vibrate with my truth cord. And this is pretty much how I passed my time in my 20s. I mean, other than making a mess out of things. Um, But at the very end of my 20s, when I moved to New York, it raised the stakes on everything. So now I really desperately needed the map to go with the compass. And so I started exploring the four element spiritual systems of much of North and South American peoples. And, you know, kind of like half the indigenous peoples of the world. And I also in that realized that the other half, for the most part, had five element systems, which were similar but still sort of confusing to me. So I stuck with the four element systems and partly or mainly actually because those four element systems looked suspiciously like atoms. And I'd spent a lot of time in school studying chemistry and wasn't really doing anything with that very expensive education. So I thought I'd use it in this way, which is to notice what is going on energetically and spiritually on on my scale, my human scale, that is reflected in the scale on the atomic scale, because those atomic energies were the energies we were built on. So anyway, these atoms and these four element systems look suspiciously like the microcosmic orbit and the energy practices that supported my clearing. And the microcosmic orbit is the orbit of energy um, in Taoistic practices like Qigong. And so I started seeing this shape again and again. So here we had science and the spiritual practices of about half the people on the planet And the physical experience I was having all saying pretty much the same thing. So I started using a four-element system as my map. And I've already done a show about building that relationship with your altar. So let me just simply say that I built my four-element system not based on other cultures for element systems, but based on what had a real relationship with me in my life at that time. So that was the four elements of the earth, air, fire, and water, north, south, east, west, and then above, below, and center. doesn't really matter. Uh, well, actually, it does sort of matter. But anyway, my point is you as a being who wants to live a legendary life in the world can take a stand in the center, connect to the earth and sky above and below and call in the four directions around and the four elements around. And you've begun to create your map. It doesn't have, there's no right way based on another culture. Every culture began somewhere and you can begin your own map here and now. So you got the compass and you got the map. So critical to all of this actually working then is that axis. The axis that is the truth cord. The axis that is the alignment from above through the center to the below. And remember at this point I hadn't even heard of shamanic journeying yet or the axis mundi or this idea that was already well known to many people. 
on the planet. I didn't know about it yet. But I, in, in, in my own personal way, sort of rediscovered, um, and it was clear that the ax, that it was this axis within me around which the energy spins or around which a chakra is spinning or stacking or however you want to think about your chakras or around which the elemental alignment is critical. And then within that alignment, we find that seventh sacred direction or the center. And with the center, not just my personal physical body center, but the center on the map, the three-dimensional map, when those things coincide, then you have a point of reference. So the compass now takes its point of reference from the map. And so here's the piece then that most people miss. This all needs to happen in the body, not just the mind. The mind is required, intention is required, but it is not enough. So the intention to call up the energy of the earth needs to then flow from the nervous system or the mind that holds that intention into the energy body and then into the energy body of the earth and then back into the physical body. In other words, if you are not grounded, if you are not feeling grounded after calling in the energy of the earth, then you haven't succeeded in calling in the energy of the earth and you're not on your map. So it's, it's, it's really very basic and it's very simple, the important thing to understand is it can't all happen in your head. It needs to also happen in your experience. Or you're not on the map. You're still in your head. And if you want to live a legendary life, you have to get out of your head and onto the map of the realm that the legendary beings live in and live with them as a legendary being. And that can't happen in your head because the head, the human head, is filled with many, 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 many small stories that all run in circles like a hamster in a wheel, skitter around like a squirrel, and ferret out the truths and hide them from you. And so the important thing is to get out of your head and onto the map of the legendary beings. So this practice then gives you the ability to see yourself on the map regardless of where you are. In other words, my map doesn't change just because I'm now in New York. It doesn't matter where I am. Wherever I am, I am also on my map. Now, granted, this is also true for crazy people. And I say that with the most compassion in my heart. So the challenge here then, so what's the difference, right? So the challenge is the map you select. So what is truly crazy is to live every day in the story gathered through your childhood that defines you in the context of your family of origin, to then bring that to wherever you go, and here's the truly crazy part, and expect something other than what has always happened to happen. We are always being guided by a compass. Make sure it's your own. We are always in a map. If you want to live a life of legend, then be sure it's the map of the legendary beings. So my map of the legendary beings began very simply. North, south, east, west, earth, air, fire, water, sky above, earth below. And the center, the sacred center, my center, aligning my human being's little physical center with that big center 
and stepping onto this map. And then once you're in that world of the legendary beings, more legendary beings arrive as you are ready to greet them. So jumping ahead then in timing, the next piece that we need to live a legendary life is really to begin to shift our understanding. So critical to this for me was this daily practice of this clearing process and the way that it got that old story that was that old little tiny family of origin map out of my head out of my cells, out of my body and allowed me to keep aligning more and more energy with that axis and to infuse my own body and axis with the golden energy from above and the silver energy from below. And to, and through me then to connect the center of the cosmos through me to the center of the earth and thus define the center of the person in this sort of legendary scale. Okay, so fast forward from the beginning. I am working on the actual, the actual design of the third workshop in my workshop series of four-year training. And this workshop is given by a star. It, the star is the helping spirit. And so I found talking with a star challenging. Well, actually, the talking itself wasn't challenging. It was actually pretty easy. Follow the moonbeams as you're climbing up the moonbeams, up into the cosmos. Um, All the layers of self strip away from the physical layers, through the gooey gut layers, through the bone layers, through all the layers of the consciousness until there's just this little tiny ball of pure consciousness. Ask permission, merge with the star's consciousness, download in complete awareness. When done, the star squirts that pure consciousness back out again. And then you reverse the process of reassembling yourself and come back to your body and the journey is over. But then I couldn't really remember it all. Back in my human form, I couldn't really remember. I could remember parts, but really only about 25%. And that's not enough uh, relative to that experience of really getting it in the journey. Really getting it in the journey. And it's really, really not enough if you're supposed to then teach it to people. So I was a little bit challenged here. Anyway, to make a long story short about working with a star, the star was teaching me Taoism. Or from another perspective, the cosmic reality of existence here. Or the true code that's coming from the cosmos or, the, or that is of the cosmos that we are part of before we start anthropomorphizing everything, sticking faces on it, creating human-like stories about it. And the next thing you know, we have petty gods and goddesses who are raping and pillaging and not actually behaving like gods and goddesses. But that's our problem because we've anthropomorphized them, right? So by working with the star... It took me into trying to receive the teachings without all of that history, translating and retranslating in between, and just trying to work with the true code. And so true code is both archetypal and true code is Taoistic. There are sort of different ways to get at energy systems to add to your map that are way bigger than your little human awareness or my little human awareness. 
So central to all of this, whether we're talking about archetypes or the Tao or whatever, central to all of this is yours or my, the human, center chamber. Because it's around uh, center channel, I'm sorry. So the center channel is the channel that the energy of the sky moves down through all the way down to the center of the earth. And the earth energy moves up through all the way to the highest power of the universe. And so it's a great column of gold and silver light. It's the center channel. It is one of three channels cultivated in Qigong practices. And so critical to all of this is this understanding of the center channel in the human around which these bodies of information of true code, be they archetypal or Taoistic or shamanic, that these bodies of information align with the truth or the center channel or they encircle it. Whatever perspective you choose to look at it from, these things resonate as true no matter what state of consciousness you're in. And so whether you've altered your state of consciousness or not, the true code resonates as truth. And so this is when you begin to populate your map with legendary beings. And that these are the beings to to then consort with. And so you can look back at your life and think, who were the great teachers of my life? And how did they teach me about the archetypal energy of the teacher? Who were the great warriors in my life? Who were the great lovers? And so you're no longer caught up in the story of what actually did or didn't happen. And all that little psychodrama of our tiny little human lives. But we're looking back sitting there in the realm of the archetypal energy and the true code, looking back at our life and seeing how the great ones have always been there. They got lost in the little psychodramatic interpretation of the story of the experience that you had. But if you can get out of that, and thus, for me, that was the gift of the clearing process and is, continues to be the gift of the clearing process. But if you can get out of that, you can look back at your life and see that the great ones, the legendary beings, have always been here in your life, moving through the people that you meet, in your experiences that one day at the ocean, you were actually there with the spirit of water or with great-grandmother ocean. It didn't matter that everybody else was jet skiing and suntanning and drinking Mai Tais. You were there with the sea. This is how we live the life of legend, is to consort with legendary beings in our daily life, to reflect back on our life, not through that little chart, that little book of debts and credits with people, but to look back for the great ones in our life and to let all the other dross of the stories fall away and to know that we have always been courted by the great ones and we have always been courting the great ones because our soul 
is here to live a legendary life. Our soul could care less about the psychodrama that imprisons us and the little stories and the petty arguments, the unreconciled relationships, and the places we feel we have been so wounded we cannot possibly heal. The soul is a legendary being. It is here to live a legendary life. And your soul desires to consort with its equals, with the other legendary beings of this existence. So one of the things I think that's important then for each one of us to understand is why is this so challenging for us? If the soul came here to live a legendary life, and I basically consider myself a decent person, why is it so hard to live a legendary life? And I think there is a great confusion in our contemporary time, at least here in America, but probably in a great deal of the Western world, but certainly in America. There is a great confusion about love and about relationships, which are sort of go hand in hand, um, learning about each. So another piece of the puzzle then of living a legendary life is not only finding your compass and your map. Right. And not only beginning to reach out from that center axis of your life and connect out to these legendary beings that are there all the time, but to begin to reorganize yourself also around love. Because this is, of course, the energy that connects us all. It is the energy of which everything is made. So... Back before I learned much of any of this, I did spend a great deal of time learning from my experiences in my relationships. And this changed my understanding of the power of choice. So in general, personally, I choose to believe that the universe is not cruel. It may be sarcastic and it may be tricky, but it is created out of one substance and that substance is love. And I have told the story of sorting this out as a child many times on the show. But the point then, as I bring that awareness of this oneness and this oneness being love into my young adult life, I began to truly contemplate the ramifications of my experiences in relationships. And therefore, you know, given my experience, what are my beliefs? What do I believe? Do I really believe that? And one of the things that I came to understand that is contrary to contemporary ideas about love is that we are complete in and of ourselves. That great scene in Jerry Maguire, you complete me, is, falls completely false on my truth cord. That if we actually needed someone else to complete us, we would be living in a very cruel world. We would be living in a world that makes us dependent not only on flawed human beings as children, but makes us dependent on flawed human beings for the rest of our entire life. And I just don't believe I live in that world. We are complete in and of ourselves. We do not need another to complete us. 
And to look for that in relationship is to ask to find your shadow in relationship, which isn't necessarily make for a bad relationship if you know how to deal with that, can make an exceedingly dangerous relationship if the two of you stay in denial about that. But your relationship doesn't even need to be about that if you don't come at it looking for that completion. The other thing I realized in reflection on my relationships is that being in love, the state of being in love, is a choice that we make about how we stand in the world. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we're in relationship with another person. That to be in love describes the nature of our relationship with our world, with the miracle of life, with the map, with our soul. In fact, for many people, being in love with another person so that they can be in love in and of itself is the obstacle. So the other thing that we need to understand if we want to live a legendary life is no one else is required for you to be whole. And no one else is required for you to be in love. And from this way of thinking comes another type or quality of relationship with the world. And this comes from allowing one's divinity to be present in ordinary life. In other words... If I am all alone, deeply, profoundly alone, and thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so alone, I need someone so that I can be in love, and then I go, wait a minute, I don't really believe that. I can be in love if I simply choose to be in that state. And so I begin to connect in through the map. Well, first I connect into the center channel to make sure it's charged with the energy from above and below. And I reach out into the map of this greater reality. I allow myself to feel the oneness of all things. I feel my place in the universe. I feel again my divinity flowing. And before you know it, you are in a resonant place of love with all things because you are divine and you are one with all things and all things are love. And so you're in this this great, vast, continuous loop and you are in love. And then bringing that state then, that, that feeling of your own divinity then, into how you choose to then go live your day. It's not a meditation I have over here and then I utterly abandon and leave behind and then go slog away at my crappy day. But that, that connection to my oneness with all things and my own divinity is required in ordinary life in everyday activities, if I am going to live a life of legend. So the final piece then that comes together for me in in how do we choose to live a life of legend? Because it's not just doing what you feel you're born to do as furiously and fabulously and passionately as you can. Because often that story dives into that whole tragic artist story. So somewhere that whole living passionately and powerfully and creatively your authenticity as best as you can has to somehow be brought into this realm of the compass and the map and the legendary beings. 
and that you you bring that passionate expression of yourself into a triangular relationship on one hand with your li- the limitlessness of your humanity and on the other hand the boundaries of the reality of your unique human beingness your physical being and how those two energies dance with your passionate creative uniqueness and the genius of why you are here and that those energies are all necessary together to live a legendary life. So the piece of this that finally helped me begin to sort this out with just a bit more clarity, because I was kind of in that story I just said, where I was really very passionately doing exactly what I come here to do, and I had a ton of spirit help, and frankly, I had a compass and a map. But I didn't have that dynamic with the limitlessness of my humanity and the boundaries of my unique humanness. Very well balanced with this whole passionate expression of my unique genius. And so this is where circling back around after my time, or I'm still with the star, but anyway, after that time with the star, many years later, I had a short time with a human teacher who taught me about Taoism. And this helped fill in the gap between what the star was teaching me and my ability to understand it and translate it into human terms. And so here came a man who was able to fill in that gap for me in a, in a reasonably condensed period of time. And I am forever grateful for this, just as I am grateful to the star and grateful to the teachers that taught me my energy clearing. These were all absolutely critical pieces in the path. So the thing about Qigong is it allows you to experience three critical things that support living a life of legend. One thing about Qigong and Taoistic practices is they help you, well, If they are to help you, they need to help you to understand the movement of true yin and true yang energies versus false yin, false yang, deficient, stagnant, these other versions of those energies. Because those energies are all the energies around us. Everything is those energies. But some of it is not a true expression. And this is the challenge, is to move our energies into true expressions of yin and yang. And the practices of Qigong help us to understand what that feels like and what that means through our experience, not through thinking about it just in our heads. The other thing that the Qigong practices give us is the ability to stand literally in the archetypal realm because the forms connect us to the archetypes. So they allow us to stand in our practice in the realm of the archetypes literally and look back at ourselves as the human and to gain perspective on ourselves and on our life from the view of those legendary beings. Because you need to be able to see yourself through the eyes of the archetypes. You need to be able to see yourself through the eyes of the elements. I mean this literally. 
There are times that I have just begged for the next step. And the answer has been become water. And I have to see through the eyes of that element how I can become water in that situation. And we have to be able to see ourselves similarly through the eyes of the Tao, through the wholeness of that true yin-yang relationship. So what I got from this teacher who taught me the qi, these Qigong forms and, and through that, his, his experience of teaching, I was able to gain a deeper understanding of what the star was trying to teach me. In this, for me, I found the great lovers. Because if you remember what I was saying, in my life and in my relationships, all I was finding was pretty much that everything I'd been taught about love in my entire life was wrong. And part of me, well, my heart, was looking for the great lovers. Not these ridiculous humans that were trying to complete themselves through another ridiculous human but the truly legendary lovers that could teach me how to be a legendary lover. This really matters to my heart. So I was looking for the great lovers, and here they were. Because what we see in the true yin and the true yang is the only two energies that actually do need each other. To survive. So that, that idea that has become a pathetic codependent metaphor for humans is only true at the Taoistic, holistic level of true yin and true yang. It's the only place that is true. It's just like that whole thing that you learn in meditation practices and all of these other practices about how, well, Sandy said it last week, the world is perfect at the level of the great oneness. That's all perfect. We don't experience that perfection in that slice of the oneness that is our life, except for those moments when we expand out and become part of the great oneness. So similarly, with the yin and yang energies, here we have these two energies where it is actually literally true. These two energies need each other to survive. So what do I mean by this? Yang, true yang energy, left utterly and completely to its own devices to do exactly and everything that it wants to do without being perturbed by any other energy will extinguish itself. It is in its nature. In other words, it is the true nature of true yang energy to express itself into extinction. Conversely, it is the true nature of true yang energy left to its own devices without being perturbed by any other energy or shifted in any way, left utterly to its own devices. It is the nature of yin energy to come to an utter and complete standstill, which then stagnates, suffocates, and dies. So each of these two energies in their truest, purest 
forms leads directly to death. Two very different kinds of death, but death, dead is dead. So these are these two lovers, the two great lovers. They cannot exist without each other. You can't even really talk about them without talking about each other. Each alone is the path to certain death. Yang energy, in all of its beauty, needs to be condensed. It needs to be given context. It needs to be made accountable by that context. Yin energy, in all of its great beauty, needs to be extended. It needs to be stirred and moved and expressed. These energies need each other. Yang, in its nature, will stimulate the yin. Yin, in its nature, rejuvenates the yang. They give to each other something that only they possess and the other does not have. Thus, the dot of each in the other. They cannot exist in their pure forms. They only exist in their pure forms together. Yang stimulates the yin. Yin rejuvenates the yang. They must have each other to survive. They must have each other for all life to survive. And this is why when we stand, a humble human with our little feet on the earth, and we call up the energy of the earth in its true yin form, and we call down the energy of the sky in its true yang form with these two energies present and mixing in a wholeness within us we are infused and in the presence of divinity of the all that is and of the love that gives birth to all life as we know it on this planet these are the legendary lovers earth and sky, fire and water. We are born of these legendary lovers. The plants are, the animals are. All of nature is born of this great love. And it is the love of legend. All the indigenous people's stories tell of this dreaming that created these two great lovers from which all life as we know it have come. That's all that's going on here is the story of this love and what is born out of this love and how the legendary beings born of the love of these two great lovers birth more legendary beings. And our soul has come here to live its legend, to feel its innate nature with the yin and yang energies within, to feel its twofold divinity, to be infused by this great love, to ignite the spirit of the heart. So the heart can bring forward the unique genius of this lifetime that has never been known in all the legendary lives of time. Your life, your soul, your gifts have never been known. 
And if you do not step into your legendary life and live them, the entire existence will never know them. That is the legend your soul has come to live. The legend of your unique genius and all of the many gifts that your unique genius gave to the world. I promise you not a moment will be lost as long as I have heart and voice to speak. And we will walk again together with a thousand others and a thousand more and on and on until there was no one among us who does not know the truth. The truth that there is no future without love. So I give thanks to those legendary lovers, the true yin, the true yang, earth and sky, fire and water. I give thanks to these legendary lovers to give birth to you and to me and to our ancestors. I give thanks to our ancestors and I give thanks to the heart that unites us all. So next week, our guest will be Robert Moss who joins us as our next guest in the Society of Shamanic Practitioners interview series. Robert will discuss active dreaming. And for those of you that don't know, Robert Moss has spent his entire life teaching us, exploring, adventuring in dreaming. And so active dreaming is a state of being that he describes as a way of being fully of this world while maintaining constant contact with another world, the world behind the world, where the deeper logic and purpose of our lives are to be found. So Robert will join us next week. And um, for those of you who would like to listen to some of the archived shows that I referred to in today's show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com or um, you can get them on iTunes as well if that's easier for you. If you would like to schedule healing sessions or find out information about classes, go to lastmaskcenter.com. Org. And right now, we are taking registrations for year one in the four-year cycle of transformation, and um, the registration window is not huge. So if you would like to register for year one, um, which is Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self and the Birth of the Healer, please go to the website at lastmasscenter.org. You can register through the website. Um, so I want to thank you all. For joining me here today. This is Co Creator Network, New Thought Talk Radio that rocks.
about it.